This is Clutch Fans. And by the way, shout out to the Clutch fans. You're listening to the Clutch Fans Podcast, an open conversation for Houston Rockets diehards. Houston Rockets is unbeatable. <laughs> Now, here's your host, the man who would have drafted Harold Miner over Robert Ory, Dave Hardesty. Splash! The Rockets have made a big move after a very slow summer, um, one that pretty much put us all to sleep, quite frankly. Uh, the Rockets have made a very big move, uh, landing Ty Lawson from the Denver Nuggets uh, for a package that uh, is frankly not very costly to the Rockets. Uh, they, they lose a first-round pick in 2016. It, it is a protected pick, uh, assuming lottery protection at this point. And the package includes Costas Papanicolau, Nick Johnson, Pablo Prigioni, and Joey Dorsey. It, it just does not cost the Rockets uh, very much. My guest here is David Weiner. You know him as Bema Thug. You can follow him on Twitter as well, at uh, Bema Thug. Uh, David, thanks for joining me. And this is a... a a great time right now. The Rockets have finally added that second playmaker that's eluded them for the last year and a half. Yep. Thanks, Dave. Happy to join you on uh, what uh, look to be very good circumstances. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think this, you know, we've talked a little bit about Ty Lawson before. I've, you know, I had heard uh, stuff about um, at least James Harden being interested in bringing him over here. Uh, I didn't think the Rockets were in love with him. I, for me, he was never the ideal point guard for this team. I mean, I think there's a lot of great qualities. Um, but at this cost, what it cost the team, and we could talk about why uh, it cost the team so little, um, it, it's it's just a typical Daryl Morey move, just that the potential reward is usually not this high in his in his deals. I mean, his his deals are usually low risk, low cost, and they, they have a, a reward that uh, could, could be pretty high. But this is um, extremely high if Lawson comes in and plays very well. Um, they just bought low. It was a perfect storm. Ty Lawson had his second DUI of this year. You know, he's checked into alcohol rehab. He's obviously dealing with some serious issues. Um, Denver drafts Emmanuel Moutier, who basically would be replacing him at point guard and looked very good in the summer league. And Denver just decided to sell low and unload him, get him off their books. I don't think you can be disappointed in this deal if you're a Houston Rocket fan. The only thing you could be disappointed in is is possibly looking at that package that they, they gave up and said, hey, we could have got something else. But I don't think you could have got anything with as um, high of an upside as Ty Lawson. No, agreed. And, and I, I do agree with you that uh... – uh, Lawson is not the ideal fit uh, next to James Harden. He's uh, Lawson's not the, the world's best defender. He's a, a mediocre three-point shooter, but the guy can create. He can generate offense for himself and others. Can uh, uh, in, you have a creator when James Harden is uh, on the bench, or a second creator when uh, when they're playing together? So. Uh, agreed, not the perfect fit, but for the package they gave up, it was just a phenomenal, uh, phenomenal deal, and they're able to significantly upgrade the point guard position. I mean, I think 
when you now look at it, whether Beverly starts, uh, which would be fine with me, he's a good fit next to Harden, uh, but between Beverly's skill set and Lawson's skill set, I think the Rockets are going to do just fine at the point guard spot. Yeah, absolutely. And consider you know, what the team had going into the Western Conference Finals last year with Jason Terry, Pablo Prigioni, and as you mentioned, now you're coming in with Beverly and Lawson. Uh, it's a huge jump up for this team. What was a weakness could become a strength, or certainly they've they filled a pretty big hole with uh, with those two signings. Uh, you mentioned him declining three point shooter, or a poor three point shooter, and, and I would agree with that. His career percentage is thirty six point nine percent, which is not bad. It's it's pretty decent, but it uh, he's been declining since his rookie year, basically. And and last year shot thirty four point one percent from three. That is a concern. Uh, given how uh, you know this team plays and how you would expect uh, that point guard role to play off of James Harden, a lot of spot up threes, open threes. Um, so hopefully we can see him jump back to uh, that you know forty percent range that we saw him in his uh, first couple of years. But um, you just got to there's so many things you got to love about him. Uh, he's certainly an, an outstanding penetrator, outstanding creator. Um, you know, averaged over nine assists per game last year, was third in the league, trailing only Chris Paul and John Wall. Um, so you've added a, a big-time point guard here, uh, at least offensively. As you mentioned, there are the defensive woes. That's going to be a, a concern. Just 27 years old. Um, I think maybe there's a little bit of a stigma, like, hey, that you know Denver team really didn't do anything. But he, you know, he put up, uh, I believe, almost 17-7 and seven, uh, as the lead point guard on a 57-win team a couple years ago. Um, so... You know, I think there's a question on how Lawson and Harden, how their games are going to mesh, because certainly I've always looked at Harden as a Tracy McGrady type of player where you want to have uh, the point guard be a spot-up shooter and a defender. Um, but, you know, we're, we'll see how those two mesh. I, I, I'm, I'm in love, I think, with the possibilities of being able to use Lawson when Harden steps comes out. And, you know, like we saw in that Western Conference Finals, they, they locked Harden down in that final game, and Rockets just did not have any kind of offensive options. So Lawson gives them a lot of possibilities in that regard, a lot of things to like about the deal. Absolutely. Uh, you know, I, something else happened this morning as well, and we're going to talk more about Lawson for sure, but uh, that was the Rockets signed K.J. McDaniels. This is sort of right up your alley, and there was a, a lot of uh, – I don't want to say politics, but just other things involved in this deal. Um, he ends up signing a three-year, $10 million deal. Uh, this comes after the Rockets, shockingly, in my opinion, um, lost Josh Smith. We've talked about it before. I heard nothing but positive things. Matter of fact, I felt Josh Smith uh, coming to Houston, you know, coming back to Houston was a slam dunk. I really thought it was a done deal. Uh, he ends up going to the Clippers for a vet minimum deal. Could have got $2.5 million here with Houston. Uh, I think... The fact that the Rockets hadn't the MLE to offer, um, you know, didn't end up giving it to Sergio Yule because he bailed uh, or stayed in Real Madrid, and uh, they decided to, you know, want to wait on KJ McDaniel's, a guy who didn't even play. I think that actually hurt the Rockets to the point where Josh took less uh, to leave the team. But McDaniel's, they get the guy that they wanted with the MLE and McDaniel's. Take us maybe through what you think of that deal uh, and how it impacts the Rockets. Sure. Um, I think three years, 10 is a really fair deal for both sides. Uh, I don't think the Rockets ever realistically envisioned getting McDaniels back for less than that. Uh, it's really in line with um, a similar type of situation they had back in 2008 
when they drafted Carl Landry in the very early second round. He came in on a one-year rookie deal, had a really solid rookie year, and ended up signing an offer sheet with uh, the Charlotte Bobcats for, I think, three years, $9 million that the Rockets matched. So a lot of similarities here, except now you have a much higher cap, so that's actually a better, a cheaper deal than, than Carl Landry got after his rookie year. And a, a couple of real keys here are, um, number one, the, the numbers work out to uh, this being the full amount of the taxpayer mid-level exception. And again, we've talked about it in prior podcasts, but I'll just kind of reiterate it again. Um, the, you can choose uh, to use kind of different MLEs. You can either use the, the larger full non-taxpayer mid-level exception, which is the kind of the $5.5 million version of it. However, if you use that full amount or if you use you know, enough of it where you've kind of gone over the lesser taxpayer mid-level, which is kind of 3.4, which is what the Rockets got KJ on, you're basically telling the league you will not be a taxpayer this year, and then that will in, uh, in turn impose a hard cap at the apron level, which is about $4 million over the luxury tax. So if they use the, the quote-unquote full MLE, the Rockets would be hard capped. Well, what they did here was they got KJ for the taxpayer mid-level amount, which means as of when they sign KJ, they will not be subject to a hard cap. Now, whether they choose later to use more of the mid-level and, and, and get and be hard capped, that remains to be seen. But So step one here with KJ is they're, they're not subjecting themselves to a hard cap by virtue of signing McDaniels. The other key is they didn't wait for him to sign an offer sheet, and that's critical because by signing KJ outright, they are not going to be restricted on what they can do with, uh, with regards to trading him next year. Yeah. Had, they, uh, had they matched an offer sheet, they would not be able to trade him for an entire year without his consent, and they couldn't trade him to the team that he signs the offer sheet with no matter what for one year. By just signing him outright, come December 15, he will be fully trade eligible with no restrictions. So if he is kind of one of those key pieces in another trade to add maybe a, a fourth star, um, he, they'll be able to do that without restriction. So there's some couple, couple keys to the McDaniels deal, and whether he plays a ton or not uh, early this season is almost irrelevant. I think the league recognizes what an asset he is. For a wing of his caliber, of his raw talent, this was pretty market value or probably a little below. And I wanted to talk about McDaniels because we weren't done talking about loss, and I definitely want to get back to this. But I think that the fact that they use that MLE and, and what you just explained to us is going to maybe play a role down the line of how they, what they continue to do moving forward with Montrez Harrell. Um, and also, maybe if you could give us a breakdown on how Daryl Morey and the Rockets just got the salary cap math to work on this Ty Lawson deal in general. I mean, how did, how did they make this deal happen? Uh, sure. So there's kind of an order of operations. Uh, I, I can tell you right now, I'm almost positive the loss and trade will go through before they sign McDaniels because uh, right now McDaniels has like a $1 million cap hold. And I think they want to keep that cap hold on the books instead of his $3.4 million salary. So McDaniels signing will come later. Um, I 
98% sure before the McDaniels trade goes through, they may have to do something with Terry because he's got a large cap hold on the books. Uh, they may need to renounce his rights, but that wouldn't prevent them. They wouldn't prevent the Rockets from re-signing him for like a, on a vet minimum deal. They just couldn't give him any more than that well, without using the MLE. So uh, I'm guessing they renounce the rights to Terry first, or they sign him to some deal. Then that will kind of drop their their the cap math so that they can take advantage of non-taxpaying team salary matching rules and trades. So if you're a taxpaying team, you can only take back up to 125% of your outgoing salary. But if you're non-taxpaying, you can take 150%. So the way the, the cap math works, if you add up uh, Papa Nicolau, Prigioni, Dorsey, and, and Johnson, you get just barely enough to do the 150% salary matching deal. That's how you can get this trade to work under matching rules. So I think once you make the Lawson trade, uh, it takes you right below the, the, the tax. Then you can sign McDaniels. You can sign Marcus Thornton, which, uh, which is another quality signing. You can sign Terry. You can do all those things, but the, the timing of it to drop them below the tax is what's going to allow them to, to work the salaries the way they did. Papa Nicola, I guess you, you have to give Daryl Morey a lot of credit for making that, that deal happen back then. I mean, you, you know, you've talked about it before, and I think you know, people kind of criticized some of that, you know, that that was what you used the MLE on, but um, they, they were in a position to be able to trade him because his contract was not guaranteed. No, absolutely. This moment right now was probably more than anything else the reason why the Rockets signed Papa Nicolau to the deal they signed him to last year. Uh, he was a legitimate, or still is, a legitimate NBA prospect, uh, a well-regarded Europe, young European player who certainly deserved to come over and play in the NBA. His contract raised a few eyebrows because of the amount of his cap figure, frankly. Uh, he got almost the full non-taxpayer mid-level exception last year, and it was little more than he was probably worth as a player because it was pretty much about it was almost as much as the Bulls gave uh, Nikola Marotic, who was a legit stud uh, coming over from Europe. And Papa Nikolaj was not a prospect of that caliber. But the reason they did it, they wanted to give him his money in year one so that he would agree to a fully non-guaranteed second year. And that non-guaranteed salary makes him such a valuable trade chip to make a deal like this for Lawson where you can aggregate him with other salaries. Um, you know, if the Nuggets want to keep him, great. If they want to cut him, they don't owe him a penny. It's just a great contract to have to be able to make trades. And remember, when they, when they signed Papa Nicola, they really didn't have much of a middle class. They had traded Oshik out for a pick. They had traded Lynn away with a pick to get rid of his contract. They were really short on kind of mid-level salaries to do any kind of trade. They got Papa Nikolaj, he's now non-guaranteed, and without that signing, we're not celebrating this loss in trade right now. You know, and this, and we are celebrating, because I'm still amazed, I think, that how, how little it cost. I mean, the Rockets needed to create roster spots to begin with, I mean, especially after Summer League, which we can talk a little bit about, or, you know, just, uh, I should say, the draft in general, um, but... 
you know, right now you look at this team and they, they just unloaded four players. I mean, Dorsey probably would, you know, Sam Hinkie probably would have uh, required a draft pick just to get, take Dorsey off the Rockets' hands, uh, <laughs> even with one year, uh, you know, just one year left. I, to me, they now create a roster spot potentially for Allen Williams. But you look at this team, and we and we can talk about Lawson or Beverly starting. I'm 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 pretty confident Lawson will be the starter. I personally would think Beverly would be a better fit, uh, you know, out of the gate with Harden. But you know, whatever. You look at the the, the five. You got Lawson, Harden, Ariza, Demo, Howard. You come in with another five, uh, uh, you know, on your bench: Beverly, Brewer, Jones, uh, Decker, Capella is going to be playing your backup center. Um, and then you've probably got Marcus Thornton, you know, KJ McDaniels, Montrez Harrell, when he gets signed, that takes you to 13. And then you're probably going to end up, um, with two of Alan Williams, Christian Wood, uh, and Jason Terry. Um, Wood, we, we think is, there's a, at least some sort of guaranteed money in there. Uh, and Williams, a, a six foot seven center out of UC, uh, Santa Barbara, really impressed in summer league, kind of a, Chuck Hayes type build, maybe a hair taller, but but just a very soft touch around the basket can score, uh, and is an excellent rebounder. I think you know if the Rockets don't end up scooping him up, somebody will. But I, you know, I still look at that team, and I'm not sure they're going they're done. I mean, I think um, you know Terrence Jones and Donatus Motiunas, they trusted last year that they would make a leap forward. Demo did. Uh, I thought Jones looked pretty good before his. Um, is collapsed long later in the season. Um, but I just, I think Jones was so badly exposed in the playoffs personally. I just don't think they would go in unless they trust that Montrez Harrell, they really believe him that he could be, uh, you know, defensively off pick and rolls and stuff, uh, an improvement. I, I just, I could still see them trying to make an upgrade at the four spot. Certainly possible. I mean, I think if you look up and down the roster now, Pretty much every player on this roster has some positive trade value. Uh, they got a ton of guys playing on first-round rookie-scale deals um, that they can move. And it doesn't necessarily have to be this offseason. I mean, I think with the Lawson trade, the team that it looks like they have in place, they could certainly go into training camp with that, with that team. But as we saw last year with the mid-season acquisitions of Corey Brewer and Josh Smith, um, the Rockets could do something similar next year when they could trade McDaniels, they could trade Corey Brewer come January. Um, you know, they have they could trade Jones or Demo or both. They, they could do all sorts of things. Um, whether it's the summer remains to be seen, but their their options are are numerous. Whether it's the summer or during the season. You know, as far as the draft as well, I mean, we talked about those two guys. I was extremely disappointed to not see Decker play in the summer league. Um, I think it had to be a frustrating summer league for fans, you know, Houston fans that went out there and for any media that went out there as well. I mean, you just, they weren't able, you know, Capella and, and Decker are the two that we really wanted to see, probably Harold as well. Harold By the did, way, Dave, I told you on Decker. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You know, I, I got to be honest. It's, it's very similar to Terrence Jones in the 2012 draft. I just didn't see Decker as – I know we always talk about they always go best player available. I just didn't see it as a need type pick, um, and they went be- they went best player available. Um, I, You know, like I said, I wasn't sold with the point guards, so I could have seen them going a, a different way. I personally preferred Portis. Um, but, you know, they went and, and drafted Harrell, who – has some similar qualities, uh, at least defensively, to what I 
I uh, liked about Portis. So, you know, they balanced out. Hopefully Decker um, can come in and, um, and, and be a boost. I think they are now very deep at the wing spot, bringing back Brewer. They've got Ariza, now Decker, and McDaniels, who didn't even play last year, uh, can probably play some two as well, given the way he, his style of game, but uh, is really more of a three. So they've got a lot and By of- the way, I, I, I wouldn't go ahead and slot Decker ahead of McDaniels just yet. I think they're going to give McDaniels a shot before Decker. Well, that'll be interesting to see. I, I, I may disagree with you on that. I just think Decker may be more – maybe I'm looking at it similar to Parsons' situation where he's – a little bit more seasoned in college, um, you know, not so like raw and athletic, but you know, we'll, we'll see. I mean, McDaniels has, as you mentioned, a year under his belt uh, with the rock or, you know, at least half year with the Rockets a year in the NBA. So that may give him a, a leg up, but I just kind of look at Decker as given his size and um, sort of versatility that you may see him uh, get some time, but we'll see. We'll, so, we'll see. so let me get, let me get this straight of all in the McHale era or the, the Rockets, recent draft era the only two rookies that got significant playing time early were chase buttinger and chandler parsons and now you're talking about sam decker i'm wondering what all three of these guys have in common <laughs> well let's say clint capella should have got some playing time sooner. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, we'll see i mean I, I like mcdaniels a lot i'd like to see him play um but i just that three points you know 28 percent, 29 percent from three-point shooting i think is a is a bit of a dagger for this team but you know, I just think he's more a little bit um, more like a Brewer and Ariza that would you know would force him to the bench, whereas Decker does a, a, some different things. These these are good problems to have debating between players like these. Yeah, absolutely, and that's why I'm frustrated we didn't see Decker in summer league. I, I wanted to see what we got in him. Um, you know, it's just to, anyway, it was just I thought it was just a frustrating experience. Um, but you know, this loss and deal, I mean, this, this could be a game changer for the Rockets. And I think they are, they were way behind to be honest with you before this move. I'm not sure where it puts them necessarily, but I mean, let's be honest, the Spurs, uh, I mean, their main core guys could, you know, fall off the map at any point. We've been saying that since I think 2007, but still they could fall off. Uh, but now they've got Aldridge with Kawhi and now they add David West. I mean, they're a loaded team, Golden State, um, you know, OKC is going to be healthy. The Clippers now, they've got a bench. Let's just put it that way. Um, and Memphis, I thought, quietly made some strong moves. So, you know, the Rockets could you know, have gone, they could go from Western Conference Finals to, you know, basically starting the playoffs on the road just on paper, the way it looks right now. So um, this loss and deal puts them back into that uh, into that mix. And so there's there are six extremely strong teams, in my opinion, in the, in the West. Um, and you know, we're going to see what happens, but I love the move. Um, it was the, the best point guard that was available on the market. And I think it's a, a, a huge need for this team on many different levels, both at the position and the ability that they could have a guy who can create and make things happen outside of James Harden. Absolutely. They need that secondary playmaker. And, you know, James said it himself, get me, get me some help in, on at the guard spot. And they've done that. Yeah, and I mean those guys are friends. Uh, it does concern me a little bit. Obviously, we we've just kind of skimmed over and skipped over the um, that Ty Lawson, the fact that he's dealing with a lot of troubles right now. I mean, I think uh, the reason that he was so cheap is because he's dealing with these issues, and they're serious. I mean, obviously DUIs are a, a big deal. I mean, the Rockets 
are going to look bad. I mean, let's just be honest. They'd be almost a little bit liable there if he uh, ends up having another issue because they are aware of these issues that he has. Um, and so they need to get him some help, make sure he's, uh, you know, recovering. And But as far as on the floor, I mean, we know this is a guy who, um, you know, is extremely talented on the offensive side. And I couldn't agree with you more. You know, basketball is a game, and, you know, this is a, this is a man's life we're talking about, and, and getting his life in order should be priority number one. And I believe that the Rockets have already reached out, and offer, uh, John Lucas is willing to help Ty Lawson while he's in Houston, help him, you know, I don't know if as a life coach or whatever, but, um, you know, I can't think of a better man to, to, to help someone through a time like that than John Lucas and uh, he's a valuable resource here in the city of Houston. So it looks like the Rockets are very mindful of that and, and uh, have a, a distinct focus on helping Ty get his life in order. Uh, and then to a obviously a much lesser extent on the court, uh, something to, to, to kind of maybe mildly temper enthusiasm is that it's very likely that the NBA will hand down some sort of suspension sure. to Ty Lawson for, for two DUIs. Um, so it's entirely likely that the regular season opener will include neither Ty Lawson nor Dwight Howard, who, if you, if you recall, will be suspended for the, the regular season opener yeah. because he racked up too many, uh, uh, too many flagrant or technical foul points in the playoffs. So, uh, they could be down two starters in the first game. And I'm guessing that Lawson suspension will, will be multiple games. You know, and obviously, I think people look at uh, Lawson's numbers, his assist numbers. Uh, you know, almost ten a game, extremely high last year, career high for him. I think those are going to go down, just because of, of Harden. I think Harden's are going to go down as well. You're going to see some sort of balance in between the two. I do wonder how what we're going to see. If I think, I think personally, James Harden's big strength um, is having the ball in his hands and making things happen. I don't know how well. I mean, obviously he can do things off the ball. I'm not saying he can't, but I mean, I don't know how, uh, you know, that chemistry between those two players is going to work. Um, but as far as just having that ability, being able to kick it to another guy on the other side of the floor who can also attack the basket. And when you've got uh, Dwight Howard in there as well, I mean, he, this is a guy who can throw alley-oops. This is a guy who can uh, run the pick and roll. Um, just a lot of things to like. I mean, that's something that they just did not really have um, – that that kind of speed and athleticism going to the basket to, and, and scoring ability outside of Harden. So huge boost to the Rockets, uh, their lineup. Um, defensively, they're not going to, uh, you know, the backcourt when those two are on the floor, it's going to be an issue. It's going to be, uh, frankly, it's going to be similar to Jeremy Lin and, and James Harden when those two were on the floor. Um, so it's it, it's not something they don't have experience with, but it's just something that, you know, they're not defensively, it's not going to be a big strength. Let's just say they'll probably. Well, I, I I hope trades don't change this, but there there might be many nights when we're we're thanking our lucky stars that Trevor Ariza is out there. <laughs> yeah, and Dwight Howard, I'm sure as well. Yes. <laughs> um, I mentioned Harrell um, as well that uh, they still need to sign him. Um, they used as you basically broke down. They used some of the MLE on KJ McDaniel's. How do they get? Uh, Montrez Harrell signed and, you know, with, with kind of the money that they do have left, which is not a whole lot. Um, well, they have multiple, multiple, uh, options. Um, they can sign Harrell to a, up to two years at the rookie minimum or the rookie minimum and the one year vet minimum. 
without using any of the MLE, uh, which is a, which may be their, their, their preference. Or if they want to either A, give Harold three or four years, or B, pay him more than the rookie minimum, or both really, uh, if they want to do either or both of those, they have to dip into the mid-level exception. And as I talked about before, the Rockets have already used the full amount of the taxpayer mid-level. So they, they still have about two million, a little more than $2 million left if they want to use the non-taxpayer. But again, if they want to give Harold that extra money or that extra year, that's going to hard cap the Rockets. And I, um, the rough estimates I have right now with the Lawson trade and after they signed McDaniels and Thornton, even if they were to sign Jason Terry to a one-year minimum contract, the Rockets will only have about $2.3 million under a hard cap to sign Harrell, Christian Wood, if they choose Allen Williams, or anyone else they want to sign. And again, a hard cap is legitimately a cap. It, uh, if they wanted to keep adding minimum salaries, they, they couldn't go above that hard cap. They'd have to wave guys and stretch them or, or trade guys away if they wanted to keep adding above that, that amount. So, so they're trying to avoid that at all costs, basically. Well, th- they can navigate it. I mean, $2.3 million, uh, you give Harold, you know, a couple hundred thousand dollars above the rookie minimum. You're still, you know, a million and a half maybe below the, the hard cap. You can, you can move a little bit, but you can't make another loss in trade where you, you, know, you take on a bunch more salary than you're sending out because you'd be hard capped and you, and you couldn't really do much there. So it'll be interesting to see what they do with Harrell. If we see that he got a two-year minimum deal, we'll know the Rockets were kind of scared off by the hard cap, which is a legitimate fear for them to have. Or if they give him kind of what the market will bear, which is more of a three-year deal, pays him a little extra in year one because he's a high second-round pick, you'll know the Rockets are kind of taking on that risk. And, you know, I know that the team really loves Harrell. He was a great value pick in the second round. And it'll say a lot about what the, the, the team feels about Harrell as a player to be able to take on the burden of the hard cap there. So if they had, if they had everything had worked out here and Josh Smith hadn't left for the Clippers, would, you know, would they still have had the $2.5 million to offer him? And would that have just hard capped him right there? Well, um, let, let's say hypothetically that Josh Smith signed the non-bird amount, which is about $2.5 million. They would pretty much – their hands would be tied. I don't think they could give Harrell a, a third year or more than the rookie minimum. They might be stuck trying to sign him. And, again, if they're coming at him with a two-year rookie minimum deal, he can always do exactly what K.J. McDaniels did with Philadelphia last year, which is bet on himself, say, look, I'm willing to take – a one-year rookie deal, non-guaranteed, which is the required tender that a team has to issue its second-round pick if they want to keep his draft rights. Say, I'll take your tender, I'll play out my rookie minimum deal for one year, and then you have to pay me next summer if I play well. And we could be dealing with a K.J. McDaniels-type situation next summer as well. So just something to think about. There is some risk if they don't come at him with a little extra money. So... Uh, you know, it, I, I'm very interested to see what happens with Montrez Harrell. Well, you know, I think the Rockets were fortunate to sort of resolve this point guard situation. I think the way it unfolded going up into the draft and what they expected to do with Ewell, 
Um, I am pretty confident in saying that they didn't find out until a day or two after the draft um, that Ewell was not coming. I mean, they I don't want to say for sure that they thought he was coming, but uh, they didn't find out um, definitively that he wasn't coming until, uh, you know, after the draft. So, you know, whether they that would have changed what they did in the draft or not, I don't know. But uh, certainly that's, you know, bad timing to find that uh, information out. Um, and now they, you know, it works out in their favor to, to be able to add a guy like Ty Lawson. So yeah, it's, it's great for them to be in this situation. They've got a a strong offensive option, strong defensive option there. They're deep at a lot of positions. Um, they're going to go in uh, strong, but I think the one thing now that they have left and it's nitpicking, but it's just, they could, uh, possibly upgrade at that power forward position and I'm looking at Terrence Jones. I mean, if he can make a, a, a jump forward, great. But I, like I said, I just thought at times during stre- at stretches, uh, pick and roll defense and just defense in general, I thought uh, he had a lot of issues. And I think, again, you survey the West, look at San Antonio, look at Golden State and, and those power forward positions, and I think that's, uh, that's a problem. But, uh, you know, we, we, we're not sitting here talking about a second playmaker um, adding another offensive option anymore. I mean, Ty Lawson – if he's on the floor, if he's healthy and, and uh, you know, his mind's right and everything, um, he's going to add a lot in that regard to this team. I couldn't agree more. I think that, you know, I, I agree with you. There are definitely some concerns with the power forward position uh, that they may once again give uh, Demo and Terrence a chance to run with it. But, um, you know, you use the word nitpicking. I think the Rockets have themselves a roster right now that if fully healthy – you do have to nitpick to find the flaws. I think yeah. they do they do have a roster that can do a lot of different things on offense and defense and and one that that is just as good as just about any other roster in the entire league. Well, and another reason uh I think that's something's going to happen is I just had, you know, I was surprised they didn't keep Josh Smith in the regard that I thought that made Terrence Jones expendable. Because both of those guys, Demo and Terrence Jones, are going to be restricted free agents uh, next year. Um, and it's a summer, which you've talked about before, it's just going to explode as far as the cap. I believe it jumps up, what, close to $20 million for each team. Um, and there's just going to be a ton more money to spend. And those guys are sort of in that middle of the pack um, where you know guy, teams may be willing to overspend for a restricted free agent in order to get them. Uh, Parsons style, and you could see that happen with Jones and Motiunas, and the Rockets rarely risk um, losing, you know, an asset for nothing. I just, I tend to think one of those guys is going to get moved, and I look at Terrence Jones. There's a, a lot of different possibilities. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> well, man, thanks so much for for joining me. I mean, I, we could talk Ty Lawson all day. It's obviously a, a bit, of, you know, this is our first reaction to the to the move. Um, we've been, t- you know speculating and talking about it for a while but now that it's actually happened it's uh kind of a bit of a shock so i'm thrilled they were able to do this by low um and you know they've got a team now that can uh you would think could contend with the big boys and there are a lot of big boys out there so it's going to be a fun season i appreciate you doing this man my pleasure